0: Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth clothing for all kinds of weather, all kinds of terrain, all kinds of budgets. Clothing that just works. Check them out at Huntworthgear.com. And they still have their holiday sale going through Christmas. So it ends December 25th at midnight using promo code HLDY25 to save 25%. So go over there if you're looking for those last minute gift ideas, a late season hunting gear their heat boost um, just did another photo shoot with them over the weekend um, they've got some new camel coming out that's pretty slick and uh, all weekend spent uh, shooting in heat boost and we were in some pretty warm temperatures and we were sweating um, and it's crazy because it's super thin material so it doesn't seem like you'd get that warm that quickly. Um, but the heat boost stuff is for real. So go, go definitely check that out at, uh, huntworthgear.com. Um, this podcast is, uh, one, one of our sponsors, um, big shot targets has just acquired Delta McKenzie targets. And a lot of times when we see that we see it the other way, we see a big company swallow up a smaller company. And in this case, um the underdog of sorts uh buys one of the bigger companies from Easton and we talked to so we had already done a podcast with Brandon um talking about you know kind of the history of the company kind of what they're doing um and this is his dad the actual owner of the company talking about um everything that kind of went into this leading up to it and um if you remember from that initial podcast and they talked about what they do for the community, how they bring uh, in people that are in recovery uh, to work there. And we talk about how that's going to transition over to the plant in Iowa um, where they make the Delta McKenzie targets and kind of what it's like. And he was literally coming from the production floor uh, down there, cutting targets, doing all of that stuff. Um, so bringing that same culture um, and we talk about you know when companies get swallowed up like that, you know it seems like unfortunately everybody's chasing the mighty dollar and quality goes down um all that sort of stuff, so we talk about all of those concerns and all that, and uh then we get into some antler point restriction stuff and kind of like what's going on here in Michigan uh what happened over in p a and how um how it was received uh down the line here you know where you know, maybe a decade into it or so from whatever they, when they made their changes over there in PA. So, um, all that, it's a great podcast. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, very insightful. Um, Al's a super smart guy and it's definitely not a hard sell on big shot targets, but, but definitely check them out. We, and even talks about the, the target that I prefer, um, which is the pro hunter target. He said that they've improved that even yet again, um, and that's that uh, five-sided target where you can shoot all the sides, and then the, it's got the woodchuck on the bottom. Uh, super cool target, very durable, uh, great for broadheads, and uh, one of my favorites. But anyway, we talk about um, all that kind of stuff, um, and got to give a shout out, you know, to all of our, our sponsors. You know, latitude. Uh, I'm going to be going down to the ATA show. Uh, And helping those guys out. Big Shot's going to be at ATA as well. Um, You know, the guys from Zinger, um, Genesis 3D, Spartan Forge, all these companies give back to our Patreons and we can't thank them enough. You know, it's one thing to support uh, our show and it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, we'll take you know, whatever, whatever you're give us. Yeah. Um, but we want to give back as much as we can to the, to the Patreons and we really do appreciate it. Had an amazing year of hunting with, uh, the Patreons and, uh, so glad that we're able to continue to do this and, um, that community through Marco Polo and some of that other stuff. Um, you know, these events, I'm, I'm just in a group here getting ready for, uh, TAC renting a yet a bigger house, um, uh, to try to make sure that we can, um, coordinate to see as many people as possible Um, really uh, great community Um, so check that out patreon.com forward slash 400 chronicles podcast but this podcast like I said it's not a hard sell it's not the way that we kind of do things here Um, give it a chance I know you guys are really going to like the the conversation uh, and where it goes so as always thanks for listening all right everybody adam back with another episode of the bowhunter chronicles podcast and uh and today we're we're here with one of our partners uh big shot targets and uh they're kind of shaking things up here uh lately you know we we did a podcast with brandon and we talked about the the big shot brand and kind of how they started and uh we're actually on with uh, his dad al pirelli today um to talk about some of the moves that they're making and uh and some of the other offerings that they've got. So um, how, how's things going for you, Al? I know it's uh, really busy over there right now.
1: Well, it is. Like I said, it's obviously the holiday season, the end of year. And of course, uh, we're a little bit busy right now. I'm out in Iowa at uh, our newest facility. So um, yeah, if anybody doesn't know, we've acquired Delta McKenzie targets, which we're you know super excited about it. We've been working on it for quite some time. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a dream that we're actually here. So,
0: yeah, when, uh, I was going back and forth with Hunter there, he said, you know, Al's out in Iowa and obviously Iowa, we think about like, oh, he's gotta be hunting, you know, what seasons are out there. We're trying to schedule a time for this. And I'm thinking, okay, well, daylight's going to be bad. I'm like, we can do early. We can do like after dark. And it's like, no, I'm at the facility and it's all meetings and, and, and crazy stuff. So. Uh, speaking of like hunting season, like, did you get any hunting in this year? Well, yeah.
1: And to your point, I got lots of feedback, you know, guys texting me, dealers and friends saying, "Boy, you'll do anything to get an Iowa deer tag. Right. <laughs> so, so I, I guess that's a good reason to do this. So finally, people figured it out. It was all about that, but no, actually my season was kind of blown up. Obviously we were in the final uh, negotiating stages and closing stages with the business. So I got a few hours in the tree stand and, and enjoyed that. But, you know, mainly I was focused on, uh, bringing home the, my, my biggest, uh, trophy, I guess, if you will, so far,
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) So you know, this was kind of like a trophy hunt. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they say, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, hunt for a living or whatever, stay out of the industry because it's, you know, hunting season is the, is the busy season. Um, But you're right. You know, Iowa is a a pretty good location to, to, to to set your roots, I guess, if you have to. Um, so let's go back a little bit, you know, Brandon told us a little bit of the origin story behind big shot and it's really weird. I got to say, I I opened up with it a little bit, but looking here on the video with the big Delta McKenzie target, uh, you know, banner or, or wall there behind you, um, But for the origin of like big shot, like, did you ever like, what was the goal at the beginning? And did you see yourself like reaching this stage where you're going to start acquiring some of the, the bigger competitors?
1: Yeah, actually that, that was the farthest thing from our mind. You know, I started probably like most guys in this business in a garage. And my goal was really just to be able to sell enough targets to cover my, you know, all my archery spend. Right. So my wife didn't complain about me buying a new bow so I kind of just started out as a hobby and, uh, well, and I, you know, I, there's a couple of targets I shot and I didn't like, so I wanted to try to improve those and cover my, uh, you know, arrows and bows and all the gear that I wanted to buy every year. So it was kind of as simple
0: as that. And then what you guys did with the the community, I think was really inspiring. And I think like for our listeners and for me, it was kind of eye opening to, to say how you went into the community and opened your doors to, you know, give people opportunities to work and, and everything like that. How did that come about or how did that become a passion of yours? You know, it's just, I think in working with uh,
1: people, as we hired employees, it just kind of grew on me and it became really a kind of the second passion that I had. And, and, you know, I keep saying someday I'm going to write a book and, you know, I've got the name, which is manufacturing jobs, right? Double entendre, right? But, you know, just working with the people, seeing people trying to, you know, raise raise themselves up. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it still is a passion. That's something that my first visit out here to the plant, when we uh, kind of did a meeting with the employees, that that's part of our, you know, our culture, that we're not just trying to make targets. Uh, we're trying to help people out in the local community. We're trying to, of course, manufacture in the United States, you know, and bring that wealth to this local area. You know, we feed a lot of local vendors and people, you know, in the area, so it's important.
0: And so, um, having those conversations there with the uh, the people in the new factory, um, how does that fare? I mean, I'd imagine it's it's easier, you know, as you're coming up from you know, bootstrapping it and saying, okay, well, we need to get employees, all this stuff. And now you're going into an existing business and saying, okay, this is something that we're passionate about, what we'd like to do. Um, it, how how does that translate on a, on a, like a grander scale? Well, I, I think it went
1: pretty well here. And, and it's a little bit different circumstance in that, of course, they Easton owned the company and they had uh, really the support they needed from Easton. What they really lacked, and, and Easton, the folks up there realized it and we talked about it, was, you know, the, the focus every day to wake up and think about targets, right? So, as I told people, I don't have a fallback position. I don't sell arrows and I don't sell bows or manufacture bows. You know, I wake up in the morning, I think about targets. And when I go to sleep at night, I think about targets. Sometimes during the night, I think about targets. So, So, I think... You know, they felt good. The facility is just amazing here. If if you ever get to come out, you know, we'd love to show it to you. It was the, It's the plant and the, the automation I've always wanted to build. But what we bring to it is, you know, an owner that's like I'm here every day. You know, last week when I was here, I was here, you know, quarter or five in the morning and, you know, bringing donuts and we share jelly donuts, right, <laughs> with the guys in the plant and being on the floor, which was hard for Easton to do, right, you know when you wake up in the morning, you think about arrows and then you think about point bows. And I think if you have time after that, you you think about the guys up in Iowa, that was a second piece. This was a remote facility versus being in Salt Lake City. And, uh, you know, this, this is what we do every day. So I'm, you know, roll up the sleeves and I was trimming targets with guys last week and, you know, in the mold room working on new ideas. And so I think they just, you can say it, but you also have to walk the talk. Right. So I think they're starting to feel it. And over time, you know, they'll feel good about it. I think they do now already, you know, with the
0: energy level. So that's, that's great to hear, you know, being on the floor and, you know, uh, I've, I'm really passionate about business and like, I've read a lot of business books and it seems like, you know, these companies that really make it, or that are these iconic companies. It's usually the owners that either like started in the stockroom and work their way up and know every inch of the facility. or it's guys that, you know, are there every day and have hands on. everything is like super close. So one of the issues that you had said there that there was two facilities. Now, how does that work with the PA facility and the Iowa facility? And you know, I guess what fears do you have in those lines getting blurred? Yeah. And that's a good point. Uh, you know, our intention is to
1: keep both facilities because we have redundant factories now. But it's certainly going to change uh, probably brand in my lifestyle. You know, having one place in, in Pennsylvania, I really didn't do, you know, a lot of traveling per se on on planes. We drove a lot of places with targets, did some events, but obviously we're going to need to spend the time uh, here and there um so for instance next week we have two christmas parties so i'll be out here one day for the christmas party we're having over in the local bowling place and you know i'm going to fly out the next morning back to philadelphia and we have a three o'clock you know dinner for our guys back there so to your point it's really important that you keep that connection you know this is a people business a lot of times we go to work not because you know I mean, obviously we need to make money, but it's really who you work with. And if you enjoy all the people you work with and coming in, it just really makes it a lot more fun. And we, you know, we want to continue to focus on that. So it'll be a challenge. I'll be doing Brandon and I probably every other week we'll be flipping back and forth. Uh, but we need to be in both places. Absolutely. At at least until November, then I'll probably be here (laughs) full-time
0: during the rut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to have that, uh, what the the years worth of uh, land ownership or whatever there, so to you, so you become a citizen or a, a resident yeah. of of Iowa, right?
1: Well, I've heard it's six months, and I hear they're pretty uh, tough on it. They they watch you, so we'll have to get into the regulations and figure all that out. But yeah, you know, sure. Not that it's really about getting a, a, a you know a deer license here. Well, I'm sure it didn't hurt.
0: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with You've, you've kind of addressed it a little bit with being passionate and just about targets and things like that but i guess logistic not logistically isn't the right word but maybe like philosophically how does it feel like running two different?
2: at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online.
0: offering to say, I mean, you're kind of becoming one of your biggest competitors. So what is that what does that look like for, for, for us as a consumer? Well,
1: and that's an interesting thought. you know we, we, as we got closer to this, we started to really think hard about it and look at it. But to me, it was it really is a natural fit, uh, not only from the manufacturing because they have some capabilities we don't. we have some capabilities, they don't. Uh, of course, targets are a high freight item. So, you know, I can get a target to New Jersey cheaper from Pennsylvania than they can from Iowa. And they can get a target to Minnesota cheaper than I can. So it really does, you know, it kind of fit hand in glove uh, from that perspective. In terms of the brands, you know, I mean, I'll date myself, but you know, a lot of us, the first 3D target we ever had was a Delta McKenzie, right? It was a McKenzie target, I should say. And McKenzie is really the premier tournament brand. It's the largest, you know, tournament in the world, professional tournament. And, you know, again, it was, if you would have told me 10 years ago that someday I potentially, you know, own Delta and McKenzie, I'd be like, you know, you're kidding me, right? You know, so, so from that standpoint, McKenzie the premier brand for ASA shooters, obviously the largest tournament in the world. And, you know, we want to work to figure out how to make, get, you know, more guys have access to that and more opportunity there. You know, Big Shot is really the, the you know, came up through the crossbow ranks, high-speed crossbows for our Ironman series and our ballistic targets. And really, you know, great pro-shop brand in terms of margins and so forth. And again, back in the day when, when I thought of Delta, Delta's really kind of a third brand in this. Nobody thinks so. Easton tried to put it together, but I see them as three different brands. And Delta's really a great you know, tough target, compound, uh, bag target, and now they, of course, they have their uh, layer foam uh, product as well, and kind of more of a, you know, a price point target. Um, so in my mind, we have, we bought two companies, but we really have three brands, you know, Ben McKenzie with the 3D, Delta with the, you know, uh, price point bags, everybody probably owned a Delta bag way back in the day as well. Um, and has high production ability to deliver for, for major box stores and big shot really started with high speed crossbows and pro shop brand.
0: So, so. Uh, again, like for the, for the consumer and you as someone in manufacturing, like say for the 3d side of it, you know, mm-hmm. when you say from the target archery side, you got the McKenzie targets and the, I talked about this a little bit with Brandon um, in like spot placement right so uh, are we gonna see big shot targets with a with the uh, vitals or you know our 12s and 14s similar to that of the the deltas so there's some overlap there the mckenzie so that there's some overlap there or what are we gonna see you know for our for our asa shooters and stuff like that what are we gonna see on that side
1: well uh we've talked to quite a few asa shooters you know tony Taza and the folks and and, of course, Josh Grine, who's the new owner of ASA. So we're listening you know, hard to what their needs are. And as I told Josh, we're going to do everything we can to support him and grow ASA. And I did just think overall, we'll be uh, a little bit more market-focused because we have to be, right? You know, I, don't, I don't have a million-dollar marketing budget. So you know, we have to deliver the product that customers are looking for. So I think ASA has certain requirements that we're looking at um, and, and hope, you know, we've already got some ideas uh, rolling out here at the plant in our r and our mold shop. And uh, uh, we've got a great group in, well, they call it design. I call it our mold shop back in the old days. So um, we'll do that. I think we've got some really good input from the, the big retail stores and what they're looking for uh, in their 3D products and price point products. And then, you know, the same thing from the Pro Shops, uh, what we can do there. I think in terms of the real wild 3D line, we've done a super job in, you know, the Trad market, guys love it. You know, we're really strong in that market. And we will certainly um uh, probably do a better job at our rings uh in the real wild. And you know, we've started to upgrade a lot. Uh Mike Tyrell gave us the ASA Universal Rings. Uh, about four years ago and we've been transitioning all our targets to that. We'll probably continue that process.
0: Okay. So in, again, like from a, from a consumer standpoint or kind of like what we can look for like down the line um, I'd imagine just like with anything else in any company, you know, now you've got, you know, two, maybe three times the amount of SKUs to manage. And there is, like you said, some, some redundancy, um, you know what does that look like because you know no matter what it is, whether it's you know your favorite pair of boots and the, the company gets bought and then they just don't make those ones anymore or or whatever well, um, there's there's that side of it but also I wouldn't say that I would say you're almost going the opposite way of like a, a conglomerate, but we see these great mom and pop companies you know, that put out great products, have great everything. And then they get consumed by a GSM or something like that. And then everything ends up being a, a margin game and quality goes down and stuff like that. And like I said, you guys are almost doing the opposite of that where the mom and pop is pulling from a, a conglomerate. Um, but what can you say to like ease some of the concerns for the consumer um, on those fronts? Well, so
1: I, and I agree with you, we are doing the exact opposite. So, you know, uh, again, we've listened to the market and, you know, at the high end, we know plastic lakes, right? I mean, everybody says we hate the plastic lakes. So where you get, a, you know, again, a private equity or a big conglomerate, what they look at is, okay, how do we, you know, re- reduce the cost and squeeze margin out of it, right? We're, we're really in this for the long haul. So I think overall what people are gonna see is us reacting to the things that they don't like and it's going to get better quality and you know we're not all about margin and margins important from our retail standpoint but the first thing you have to have is the right product at the right price point and then you've got to work backwards from there i think that's more the long-term thinking as opposed to some you know and you mentioned a company but i, I don't know but larger companies typically work quarter to quarter and you know how much you know, hits the bottom line and all that. And, you know, we're not about that. I mean, I've made actually very little money in this business because, I, you know, I mean, the most dangerous guy is a guy that doesn't care about making money is my philosophy. And, you know, I do it because it's my passion and Brandon's passion as well. And we're in the archery business. You know, first thing I did is I called all, all the people that we talked to every day and said, hey, what do you think? What needs to be fixed on the product side? What would you like to see? And that's really how we've gotten to where we are. I mean, most of my product development is not original thinking. It comes from guys like yourself and dealers and you know, customers we meet at 3D shoots that say, hey, this would be a really cool idea. You know, or why don't you try this? And not all of those work out, but, but you know, have the gems in there that, that pop up and say, yeah, we ought to try that, and if we could do that, you know, that would be great. Um, and, and again, I think we don't want to let, it's a great manufacturing company out here, but we don't want to let manufacturing drive our product decisions and our quality decisions. Sometimes you get the tail wagging the dog, right? So we want to make sure we're doing what the, what customers expect. And, uh, you know, we'll work through the, the manufacturing process on that. In fact, I think, I think, uh, Jim Easton had a sign. So somebody was going to send it to me on his wall, which is the harder the manu- to it, it is to manufacture, the better. Right. So that was kind of his philosophy. He wasn't looking for something easy because anybody could do easy, right? It's the difficult production issues that if you can work out, then you have something. So and I was I want to get that sign. We're going to hang that out here.
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, and even with just like when you say that, okay, well, Jim Easton's going to send me the sign, like from, you know, working out of your garage to making deals with Jim Easton and buying a company from Easton, that's gotta be, be huge. Um, You know, from a, just a visionary type standpoint, what are you most excited about? Because it's not about the money and it's like you said, it's not necessarily about the manufacturing, although the equipment that they have is, is, is pretty, you know, you wouldn't have done it if, if if that probably wasn't part of the package. But what are you most excited about for, for Big Shot and Delta McKenzie coming together uh, in the foreseeable future? But I think
1: again, the exciting piece for us was to you know see how these two, the three brands, can work together and how we can deliver better product to the marketplace. You know, because I, I do in retail stores, whether it's you know Shields or Cabela's, Bass Pro, and I look up there, I'm like, man, there is ugly deer up there i don't know if you've ever walked past the deer island. you know they're all trying to hit a price point i'm like and my wife and i were i said hey they're ugly deer and she says oh you can't say they're ugly I'm like no they're ugly <laughs> you know so i just see the possibilities from the market standpoint what we can deliver and uh, i'm excited really for all of our employees and what we can do together um you know i think out out in iowa there was um the, you know the market has flattened off and They kind of, they were growing for a while and tailing off. And, you know, the exciting thing for me is to watch people here grow. You know, in our plan, I always said, today you're in the department, tomorrow you can be running it. And that's what we're about, seeing people develop and grow and get to the next level. And that's the payback, right? At the end of the day, you know, and as far as employees, you know, I always tell them, you know, someday you're not going to remember what I paid you, but you'll remember how I treated you. So, you know, that's the culture that we want to develop here and we're passionate
0: about. It's a really interesting uh, answer, I guess, because, you know, for most people, I guess that you would expect some sort of canned answer to say like, oh, you know, we're going to offer these things or like what we're going to be able to bring to the market. And for you, it's almost like you said, like, what do you say? Like manufacturing jobs. It's more about spreading like the good that you've done in Pennsylvania and now you're bringing it to Iowa and you can just uh, expand on that and kind of keep that going. And uh, I think that's, that's pretty amazing. And I think it, it says a lot about, you know, you as a, a a person, as an owner, but as well as, you know, kind of where the, the company's rooted. So I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And and again, we don't
1: want to lose that just because, you know, we have, uh, you know, 200,000 square foot plant. That's just equipment. You know, obviously the heart and soul is the people and what they think and, and how important, you know, they are to the process. And, you know, that's why I'm down on the floor and I'm talking, you know, to the bag department about quality and, you know, the things that we want to accept and the things that we need to improve. And it'll take some time, but then I think they feel good. Nobody wants to make bad stuff, right? You know, bad targets and, you know, poor quality targets. So, I think they start to feel better about, you know, we want to be world class at every level, you know, and there's some different definitions for that. But, you know, if somebody walks in and says, hey, we're, we're we make the number one crossbow target with the Ironman in the world. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you like to come
0: into work. That's a lot better. So, well, and, and it's easier to take pride in it and, and because if it yeah. you know, you don't want to become number two you know, you're, you're number one for a reason. And it's not going to be on my watch that things start to fall off. And yeah, I I can, I can see that from like everything that you're doing, like trying to empower people who've kind of like had a rough go um, instilling that in them and showing them that that's pretty, pretty easy transition there. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And again,
1: you know, I'm going out to dinner after this tonight with some, just some guys on the floor because, they're like you really you want, you want to have dinner i'm like yeah you know you guys are the ones that make this go and i just you know i want to get to know you and you need to get to know me that's why you know i come to work i got a flannel shirt we're not fancy i pull them i come in and you know
0: this is who we are so well i want to shift gears a little bit so yeah. you know when we first kind of talked about doing this podcast it was it was before all of this like I, i'd mentioned before, and. um you're talking about the your video walls and uh, the so we talked about with brand and you know kind of like all of your 3d offerings and some of the like the iron man target and things like that um but you guys also have like these video walls and when i actually got to see one at the total archery challenge um expedition has one in their, Yep, their trailer and it that was it was pretty cool you know i'm Not as old as you, but I'm kind of from the, the older school where, you know, the pro shop where my father-in-law worked, they had, you know, I forget what they called it, but it was basically, you know, kind of like a sheet hanging down and you projected on there and you switched all your arrows over to the blunt field tips and you shot it, it captured it kind of like a golf simulator type, type thing. Um and that I guess that's maybe kind of what I was expecting, but it's a little bit different than that. Um, can you kind of go into what those uh those are? Because it's re- it would be really cool. And there's different price points, but from like a man cave to like a an outfitter type place or or whatever uh, would be something really cool to to have.
1: Well, and that's what I always thought. And you know, back in the day, was you were talking about the Dart system. Um, I actually had talked to Jay Dart. He got out of the business and did some other things. But you know, I we. That's a perfect example of how we developed this. It really came out of a couple of our dealers who were complaining they couldn't get support and service for the system anymore. We took a look at it and we thought, when I saw the price of you know thirty thousand dollars, I'm like, that's crazy. you know to try to get your return on investment if I'm a dealer in that it's really hard. I think you know twenty years ago, things were a little different. Um, so I said, I think we can do this. And we could probably do it for half the price and, you know, give, and mm-hmm. then it also helps the community. So we really started calling dealers and getting all their input. And I made basically a list of all the things that they didn't like. And in fact, one of the issues right after the hunger Games just started, right. And we had de- call, dealers calling saying, Hey, I'm tearing out my dart system and I'm going to put in range targets. Cause I have all these people that want to come in and shoot and I need, you know, the space. So, of course, one of the things they wanted to do was be able to not have the dedicated dark tunnel that, you know, you, you probably thought of with a sheet hanging in it. They wanted to be able to shoot, uh, you know, in a standard range lighting. And the other thing we thought, well, if we can do video on it, but then also, you know, even if you're running a simulator or leaks, say 20% of the time, that means 80% of the time that that system sitting doing nothing. So let's do, you know, standard range wall. So the other 80% of the time you can pin targets and and give lessons on it. And and it does more things for you. It's much more versatile. Uh, In fact, one of the customers we talked to up in Vermont, he says, listen, I got one lane. He says, I tune bows in that lane. I give lessons in that lane and people come in and shoot in that lane. And that was kind of the model that we thought, you know, this is, you know, the uh, simulator for the rest of us, right? They can't afford 30 grand. Um, and of course, you know, changing your blood points, if you forget to do that, you blow a hole in the screen and the old systems. So we said, let's have guys shoot at a regular range wall. Whatever they're shooting is what they want to come in and practice with, um, with their field points. Technically, you could even shoot broadheads at it. So again, that's an example how we backed into it from input from the marketplace, customers that said, hey, here's what we want to build. And, and uh, we set out to do it. And, you know, it's gotten better and better and better. We have even more releases this year for it. So the second part of that is the vision that if you're under 30 today, maybe even under 35, you know, you grew up on video. Like you said, at my age, it was different. But today, um, you know, kids need, you know, they can only shoot dots for so long, right? They're used to video and motion. And and if we want to compete for their time as an industry, then we also need to offer some, a competitive product. So, you know, the simulator is that product. I tell dealers, just leave the video running when even someone's not shooting because kids come in or, you know, when we used to put it in the trailer and go to shoes we could tell kids would walk by next thing you know they'd be pulling mom and dad back you know because they saw it and they'd want to shoot it as opposed to just having a dot up there that the kid you know can shoot at and even myself you know how 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 often can you shoot dots like at some point you know i want to shoot something that's moving and fun right so we want to appeal to the new generation younger generation and bring more into it it's got to be video and, uh, if you're not an archery shop, I think today pro shop that has a simulator,
0: um, you know, you're not really building the community. I don't think. So from that, I, I had seen it and, uh, shot it, but Brandon was saying that you can like upload your own, like video, you can upload trail cam photos. You can shoot the deer that you've already shot. Like, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well that that was one of my favorite features. I kind of invented that for myself, because like anybody, you know, we've we've missed a couple of big ones in the past, right? So my my whole thing was I wanted to shoot, you know, my deer before I shot it, right? Legally. <laughs> so yeah, we we can actually download video. In fact, I've got a system now that we're we're playing and thinking about releasing. Basically, you know, I use spy point, I get my, you know. cellular camera, right? I get my picture on my cellular camera and I can cast it right to the system. So, you know, at lunchtime, if I'm sitting in my office and I see it, you know, one of my target buck come in, I I can project it on the screen and I stand up behind my desk and I practice shooting it. You know, I shot that happened with the, you know, the biggest buck I ever shot. I shot it 300 times before I was actually in the stand. And, you know, it's like muscle memory for an athlete. It was one of the easiest shots I ever took but you know my fear was i was going to see you know that rack coming through the fog in the morning and and blow the shot right so uh, it's just a great tool for training
0: yeah it's interesting that you say that just from that muscle memory standpoint and there's so many guys that say you know well i can't shoot spots but on deer i can you know i'm good or or vice versa um yeah. but with my daughter she she shot her first deer this year she's 8 with a with a rifle and one of our Patreon's one of our our good buddies here. He was telling me how he walked his daughter through it and just go up the leg and everything. So when I got in trying to get my daughter to shoot at spots with the rifle just wasn't translating. So I bought some paper deer targets. Cause I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And then, you know, first shot she was, she was on it. So I guess I didn't really ever, I mean, there's the whole 3d aspect. There's the shooting out of your tree stand aspect, you know, at, at 3d targets and all of that. Um, but what's interesting with the, you know, those simulators is that the deer, or the animal is actually moving, you know, if you've got that, that video, so you can, you know, you kind of still have to make, make decisions on the fly, um, which, which I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, so being able to shoot and see that deer and kind of, I mean, I would imagine that, you know, when they say, you know, it's always okay, pick a spot, you know, a uh, tough of to hair or something like that. If you've done that so many times right. on the actual deer, like you may be able to pick out a dark spot on a, on a specific deer. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when you think
1: about deer hunting, it's kind of incredible because sometimes we're going to sit in the stand for eight hours. You know, and the, and when that deer comes along, you, you know, you have maybe twenty seconds to to pick the right spot. You know, find the opening and make the decision. Maybe even less than that in some cases, right? But so you know, it's a very people don't realize how short a time, how hard you have to work, and long you have to work even preseason to get that 10 or 15 second interaction with that that target buck, right? And how amazing that is when you do it. That's why, you know, when I see a guy, somebody with a big deer, like if you really appreciate it, because you know how hard that was to work. It's even, you know, it's different than bear hunting. You know, Brandon mentioned we went on bear hunt. You know, I was sitting in a stand and it was like, you know, 13 bear came in and they're sitting around playing with the bait. And, you know, I'm kind of eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it was really relaxing. It's the complete opposite
0: of deer hunting where like, you know, you've got moments and that's it. Yeah. And I think with the, with the deer hunting side of it, I think almost the exact opposite is true too, is that when you're having, and we've talked about this with a bunch of guys, but I think it's always good to, to kind of remind you if you're having a bad season, if you're having a tough time, you know, it only takes that 20 seconds for it to become the best season ever. Right. That's true. I mean, that's that's why we're eternal optimists, right?
1: Because, you know, you're cold, you haven't seen anything, but you know, you know, and uh, 15 seconds later or 30 seconds later, it can all turn around, right? So, yeah, deer hunting also teaches that, right? The stick-to-itiveness and, you know, the optimism and you know, that it will turn around. So, great point.
0: So one of the things I always ask usually at the beginning, but I guess I just sort of glossed over it uh, from the, from the business side is like, what is your hunting history? Like when you started at, like, especially when you started like bow hunting, like what age, what was the hunting style and what was the, the culture uh, at the time? Cause you got, I mean, you do have the flannel, the red and black lumberjack on. So that's, I mean, I know for the rifle hunters of the time, that was, that was the, the thing.
1: Yeah, well, it, this is, of course, well-known as a Pennsylvania tuxedo, right? right. Woolwich was founded and from Pennsylvania. So, um, well, it was really different back in the day. I mean, we mainly did small game hunting when I grew up. And you went, you know, Pennsylvania rifle hunting, right? You had a sea of orange for like two or three days. Monday after Thanksgiving, it opened up. So, like anybody, I started really rifle hunting, um, And my dad did take me, he had some interest in bow hunting. So, um, I really didn't, I didn't get my first deer with a rifle till I was 20. And then the very next year I shot my first deer with a bow and I was hooked at that point. And I really never looked back. I don't, I haven't really hunted with a rifle since, but you know, again, we always did all small game hunting. And then, you know, we went up to the mountains. We used to go up to Benton. Um, and, uh, you know, for two days, you, you know, sat around and there was, you know, 40 other hunters up the ridge. You could see all the orange suits (laughs) back in the day. And, uh, that's how you hunted. But, but, uh, I got lucky, I guess. And I hit, hit one with a bow back in the day. And, uh, yeah, I was just hooked after that.
0: And so what year, what time frame was this? And like, what was the equipment?
1: Well, I was using probably a, I know a wheel bow. I think I had a bear back in the day. We all started with the bear polar, you know, recurve in scouts like anybody, and that's kind of where you started. And then I got my first compound bow, which was a wheel bow, and I don't really remember the model. Believe it or not, I still have it, like everybody else, because you know I've got it in there just in case. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was using Eastern arrows, aluminum arrows. In fact, the story was I remember because I I actually. My first shot, I missed the buck, but he was trailing a doe. I got lucky; he was during he was in rut, so he turned around and came back, and I got a second shot, and that's when I got him. So um, I actually, I had multiple pins, and I used the wrong pin. So since that day, uh, I've also always used a single pin. So back in the day, we had the Keller pendulum sight. I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, and had a little sight. So, that's kind of where I started in the the site category.
0: And so, for a style of hunting, like, was this, uh, like, Pennsylvania, much like Michigan, was it, like, uh, preset stands and bait? Or were you out going, you know, public land and doing the the mobile hunting thing? You know, before it was cool, it was just hunting at that point. Um, Yeah, it was, you know, 95% is tree stand hunting back
1: then in Pennsylvania. Uh, we still don't bait. There are some in the high population areas they allow you to bait. But it was basically public land with tree stands, the old MK- MKM climber I had. It was basically a piece of plywood with a, a strap that you could climb up the tree with. <laughs> Which, when you look back, I mean, how dangerous was that, right? A three-quarter inch piece of plywood is your platform. But that's what we were doing at the time. And You know, back in the day, we didn't have antler restrictions, so you know you shot a y buck that was a trophy you know most people got you know that a spike buck and like i said mentioned with rifle you could hear shots start a mile away and it would get closer and closer as uh, the spike buck would run towards
0: you, you know? and so you know for for us here in Michigan we're we're out of uh, west michigan here and that's mm-hmm. one of these big debates online now is they they want to you know there's there's a there's a group that's pushing for you know, one buck, one doe, uh, we have, it's strange. We've got counties that have antler point restrictions. You can kill two bucks anywhere in the state. Mm -hmm. So we're two bucks, no real antler point restrictions on that two bucks. The second one has to have four on one side. Um, and we look to like Indiana who's changed recently to, to one buck. Um, and then, you know, so for you and PA, you guys have went to, uh, is it four on one side now?
1: Well, we have, uh, the East side is three on one side and the West over near Pittsburgh is all four on one side. Yeah.
0: And so from your experience being, you know, from when you were hunting prior to antler point restrictions, I'd imagine that just because of the number of hunters and the culture and everything, there was a huge pushback when they, you know, people were probably oh, all okay. up in arms. And then how has it gone from that then to, to where it's at today over there in PA? Uh, and you're right. It was, it was ugly you know in fact the guy that uh
1: made the decision i think he lasted about a year in his job at the game commission and they fired him but in the end i he was he did what really needed to be done because like i said we you know we were shooting y bucks and you know if you got a five pointer that was he that was a monster deer back in the day so the antler restrictions have been a huge improvement um you know so today it's very possible to shoot a 10 pointer I mean, we don't have the kind of mass that, they, you, you know, you have out in the Midwest, and uh, it's still a little tough to get the age on the deer, but, but it's light years from when I was a kid, what, you know, the possibilities are now. So, uh, the antler restrictions absolutely worked. It probably took about five or six years till you really felt it, and that's hard, I think, for, you know, some hunters to do that, but uh, it worked. I'm not convinced about you know one buck because that's what we have in Pennsylvania always have had you shoot one buck and you're done for the year no matter what uh you know weapon you're using but I look around at Maryland and and some you know Delaware and um some of the other states that have even New Jersey has multiple you know bucks you can get one a flintlock you can get one a bow you can get one a rifle and you know some Maryland has Bigger, bigger deer than Pennsylvania does, right? Eastern Shore, Maryland is a great place to hunt. So I'm not convinced on the one buck situation that that really improves the quality of, of the, the deer.
0: So after that five-year period or uh, you know, five, six, whatever you said, how has the, the naysayers, have they come around or do they still say, I, I still want to shoot you know, whatever walks by me? Uh, I think most of that's faded
1: away, you know, again, when you see the, you know, the quality of deer that we're getting now, you know, some really, you know, trophy level deer. Um, I think the only thing that probably delayed it a little bit was again, because you have, you know, one deer restriction, right? That, you know, there's still a lot of guys, you know, you, you know, you shoot an eight point, you know, a thin or a basket eight, you know, and then all of a sudden this monster walks by, right? So, you know, um. You want to be able to at least, you know, shoot that. And I think sometimes guys shoot the first deer that comes along because they're afraid, you know, that's the only deer they're going to see that year, you know, as opposed to obviously waiting.
0: Yeah. The only like concerns I have about the, the one um, that not, not necessarily the one buck, I I would be fine. I think with one buck, but with the antler point restrictions is for me personally you know some people will say like you shouldn't be able to tell someone else what their trophy is um i think that there's you know some merit to that but what i i feel like um is that first hunt and the last hunt so you're gonna have some kid out there that you're you know they say numbers are down and all this stuff you're trying to recruit new hunters and then you're you're telling a kid, like you had just said, you know, you're trying to keep them engaged. They live in this video world and you're going to say, well, no, you can't shoot that deer. And then, you know, someday both of us are going to be on our last hunts with our kids sitting by our side, you know, or, you know, we're at camp and we're going to be robbed of that last, that that one last experience of, of throwing the deer in the truck together because of somebody's rules about that. And th- those are the, those are the really the two things for me with the, with the antler point restrictions that kind of put would push me more towards a one buck than a, than an antler point restricted, you know?
1: Yeah. I And I think you have a valid point there, you know, and, and when they did it in Pennsylvania, they didn't really, you know, it was just all or nothing. So I think that it's, you know, you could thoughtfully say, yeah, let's make a, an exception for, The youth hunter, why not? I think that's a really great point. And you could do the same thing for the senior. I don't know if you have a a senior license or whatever. You know, that you could easily make an exception for that. And yeah, Pennsylvania was really controversial back in the day, and it was early in the process, you know, of what people were thinking about, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. But I think, you know, you could easily carve that out and make it acceptable. I think you got a great point
0: well every once in a while I, i'll come through on something like that <laughs> you know um yeah. so i don't want to keep you too much longer because I, I know you've got lots of stuff going on um but from from both uh companies right so from 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 the new acquisition delta mckenzie and from from big shot like what would you say are like your two you know um I don't know. I don't even, I don't want to say like crown jewels because you know you've talked about the Iron Man target and that being like the best crossbow target that's out there. But for you personally, like what's your your favorite product from Big Shot? And then what are you most excited to now be able to stamp your name on from Delta McKenzie?
1: Yeah. Boy, that's a tough one. We got we there's a bunch of stuff, but I, I mean, I think a favorite product, probably the Iron Man 30. Uh, which Brandon actually designed when he was in college, shooting in college. He came back in the summer and said, hey, I, I want a sh-, you know, bigger target that I can actually shoot with a stand on. It's really, I was a little skeptical that people would buy it. It's a great price point, but it's, you know, the 30 by 30 Ironman was a little heavy, but it's, it's a phenomenal target for your own personal range target. Um, and then yeah, the Delta side, McKenzie side, you know, I they actually have some some amazing uh, 3D stuff here that you know I, I love to shoot. In fact, I, I went out last night. I have to admit, I went to Shields and bought a a, a new bow, uh, Hoyt bow, and I came in today because I wanted to shoot in the range in here. And their pro foam is really nice stuff. You know, um, they've done a great job with it. It's much better than it used to be. So uh, I feel like uh, that's you know we need to continue in that direction. Really focus. You know, our goal is to have the best foam in the industry. I kind of think we do, but we have to prove it to people. We can't say it. We have to we're going to get it out there and let people shoot it and we're going to pr- prove it to them. So, I'm excited about that.
0: And so you kind of led into the next question, but like so we always ask people what their bow setup is. So, maybe not necessarily you I guess you can go to this bow that you just bought in, in our setting up or like i know you harvested that bear on the bear hunt so you, if you've, you're you more familiar with that complete setup um, yeah you can go go with that one
1: yeah so uh for, so the bear hunt i used uh my old uh, my elite answer i'm not really like you know a, a, a new bow every day kind of guy because i keep telling people listen the reason i missed that deer or that bear was had nothing to do with the bow right <laughs> so so yeah i used uh I lead answer I picked up back in the day uh, when they first came out. And, and you know, I'm, a, I'm more about shootability, right, than, uh, uh, you know, shooting 80 pounds or whatever. So at my age, uh, 65, I you know, I back it down. I told them to back it down last night to about 68. And uh, so, yeah, I'm using uh, a QAD rest, probably, you know, pretty middle-of-the-road stuff, nothing, nothing crazy. But I keep telling people the important thing is what you're shooting at. It's the target that matters, <laughs> right? So, yeah. you know, it's kind of funny, but, but I always kid people. Like I feel like we're like Rodney Dangerfield and being in the targets. You know, everybody focuses on the bow. And I've always said, you know, the bow provides the accuracy, but the target provides the fun. And uh, I've always wanted to do a commercial with, uh, who, who are the guys that do catching deer?
0: Catching deers. Remember that? Oh yeah. 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 I can't think of his right. name. I could see him. The, the R- yeah. R- rut Daniels is the Rutt Daniels. Right.
1: Yeah. So I, I always want to have this picture, this video of rut. If you're out there, call me. Right. So, so two guys, think about it, the Two guys get out of the field, they got their bow and they shoot it and there's no target. Right. So they kind of just look at each other like, well, how, you know, did you, how'd you hit it? Oh, I don't know because there's no target. Right. So think about archery. Without target, it really, you know, targets complete archery and there wouldn't be one without the other. So, um, and I don't even know how we got off on that statement, <laughs> right? But, yeah. we're going. but, but yeah, so I bought a Hoyt last night. It's my first Hoyt. I was never really, maybe the, the, the way the handle looked and everything kind of always waked me out. But I finally, I, I felt good in my hand. Uh, I bought, uh, it's an RX-8. I think it's a new model. Man, that thing is dead in the hand. I will say that, you know. And most bows today, compared to what I was shooting even eight years ago, right? Have had, you know, they've got so much more going for them, and the quality level is so much better. You know, it comes down to what feels good for you. If you like a Matthews or you like a Hoyt, uh, but I picked that one up last night. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty sweet. So <laughs> said, yeah, let's let's get it, uh, yeah, all tricked out and uh, go from there.
0: Yeah. And that's why they say go and shoot them all and, and see which yeah. one, which yeah, one's going to really do it. Is. So it really is,
1: especially a hunter, right? You know, you're up there and you're cold standing for a couple of hours, three hours, you got to have something. that's like, you know, it's attached to your arm. You don't even know it's a separate, separate,
0: uh,
1: bow, right. It's all one piece.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I really appreciate Like I said, taking the time out of your busy day to come and come on okay. and do this for us. And, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing, you know, everything that you guys have, uh, Offered and uh, I like personally, I, I was really hoping you were going to say the pro hunter because that's like my favorite with the woodchuck okay. on the bottom. Like, we brought that up to our Patreon hunt, and the, we, we it was all the like shooting the trad bow uh, in between hunts, um, you know. It, It's easy to be like, to to your point, like, where'd you hit it? Like, well, we weren't shooting at spots and we weren't shooting at the vitals. We were shooting at the woodchuck and it was all or nothing, you know, did you get them or not? So uh, really, really love that target. Good. Well, thanks. So that's good feedback. And and actually we should, we should get you a
1: new one because we've even approved the foam even more this year. So if you love that, wait till you even see the new and approved stuff. So we'll have to get one out to you and get your feedback.
0: Awesome. So. With everything that's uh, uh, gone on with the merger and all of the, the stuff, um, where can people check out the targets? Is it going to be one website or it's still separate? Like, Where, where can so, they find the products? Sure.
1: The Big Shot would be BigShotTargets.com and uh, DMTargets.com uh, would be the Delta McKenzie. And actually, so we incorporated as Delta McKenzie Targets LLC. It's kind of crazy. They didn't have that before, but but that will be the incorporated name of the company. which So nothing changes there for people. Uh, so they can still see two different websites. We'll probably at some point, you know, cross pollinate and blend those. But, you know, the, we're using the same rep group. So Summit Outdoors is selling Delta McKenzie targets and Mike Wick Sales, uh, your local rep, would be selling uh, the Big Shot targets. So, you know again
0: nothing changes from that point standpoint
1: you know call either number and we'll get
0: you what you need awesome well i really appreciate your time and uh, thanks for being on today no problem thank
1: you Adam this was a, this
0: was fun but